Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 521 of the JV Club podcast with my boy of summer, Shy Corman. Shy is a, oh my gosh, he's a total multi-hyphenate. Let me go ahead and use that word that we may or may not love. Um, and I have known him for many years. I met him through Legend of Korra stuff and uh, have become close with his family and done episodes of his podcast that he does with his sisters, Friday Night Movie, uh, which you can listen to wherever you get podcasts. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. He is a dear and wonderful human being, and I was so delighted to have him on the podcast. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it with him. Uh, I will quickly say that my next Comic-Con appearance, my next convention appearance will be in Secaucus, New Jersey. So those of you in the New York City or New Jersey area, feel free to come out. That will be the 8th and 9th of July. All right, here's Shai. You sound wonderful. Do I sound okay to yeah, you? Yeah, are you kidding? This is, I mean, usually when I hear your, I've heard your voice, it's in person, you yeah. know, so now it sounds or like. Me, or me talking to someone who isn't you in your Right, ears. but now it sounds like the you on the podcast. So it's very, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it evokes a certain smile that I'm sure you get this uh-huh. from everybody, right? <laughs> like, but I'm like. Oh, I don't know. Huh, uh, I mean, the, uh, the difference between hearing someone in your life as the person in your life and then hearing someone whose show you listen to and then when those two things converge like that's a kind of a weird meta moment i think yeah totally makes yeah sense. and also you have one of the podcasts where people i'm sure talk to it even when they're not listening <laughs> and so it's interesting yeah. that now you not only will you be responding but you'll be asking me questions i as an as yeah. an interviewer i have to like hold myself back from just interviewing you the whole time so well you know that happens to me when i do other people's podcasts and um but like you know we can it's a conversation that is that 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 is true and we know each other i'm not terry gross and we know and we know each other so it's a little there aren't new yeah i mean we don't we have to we don't have to get through all of life yeah in this one hour so were we just talking before we started we were just talking about dog stuff my dog whitley is 14 she's Getting up there. I guess she's already way up there. I don't know if I've ever met a Husky who's older than 14. I know that they are out there, but like that is, she has exceeded the lifespan expected by, for example, her veterinarian. Oh, wow. Um, And, you know, she's so, but she's, she's, you know, she's got the kidney disease going on and like, so, you know, we started having to give her different like, well, this is for that, but then that's going to maybe do that. So we got to just make sure we also give her that. And, you know, like it's interesting when, you're giving your dog Prilosec, like that feels. Oh, you know, my when, dog's when been it, taking Prilosec like, since he was six months yeah, old. So, that's, as he, yeah, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that's uh, the human use on animals makes me laugh. It's like human. It's like the sound of of dogs eating human food. It's very funny to me. Like hearing a dog eat a potato chip is just very funny. Um, <laughs> my my daughter uh, and the dog had the same dosage of Prilosec, so we'd ta- well, they'd take go. them every day together. <laughs> oh, so you know what? That's that's just family. Yeah. That's wonderful. And they are, that's and wonderful. they are family. I, I mean, these oh, things gosh, are, yeah. these things really are family. And and we, I resisted getting a dog for many years. We have one now, partially because this level of love is very hard to live with sometimes. Yeah, because you love them I so know much. It is. You talk to them. You love them so much. You love them so much. And and people. 
we I feel I feel like we're at a place now where enough people like agree and understand that and it's not like an era in time where you had to pretend like you didn't care that much about your animal because it wasn't a human being. I feel like people like through many walks of life now are like, oh, of course, of course your bunny is your daughter. You, of you, course you, not. You, you, I mean, I don't feel that way about my dog. You need but. to take time off to take the dog to the vet. Yes. How much yeah. do you need? Right. Like, yeah. that's Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, we value. We maybe place more value or at least outward we were acknowledging more than maybe we did in like the 80s or whatever more value as a society we like recognize like yes we have these creatures that you know we love that we have in our lives on a day-to-day basis and that we care for and of course those things are, that's that's very very meaningful and should be regarded that way um but but i think but even though that's true on that side i still feel embarrassment um, I still feel like residual embarrassment. Like I know it's just it's just my dog, oh. but you know, like I'm scared and sad, it's and a, she's not doing great. It's a perfect segue to talk about my dad and being a teenager because grow, my dad has always been adamant that you know, you know, obviously abuse against a human is terrible, but he he was he's always really adamant that people who hurt animals, people who hurt dogs, like are even worse because the dog can't tell anyone, they can't communicate it and and so he, he's his deep love for the dog and in fact when the dog is not feeling well it's it's an even bigger thing and and he experienced this in front of us all the time because growing up we got we got our dog Dutchie who was named after not not out of his request but it was named after his childhood dog Dutchie little Bichon Frise we got her I think I was 13 or 14 and that was the true definition of man's best friend my dad brought that dog everywhere we we'd be having dinner in the house and if you slowed down eating he'd grab your plate and start cutting up your food to give the dog <laughs> you just sit there chopping up mom's chicken burgers if you oh you weren't you, you were gonna eat that she, oh she might have still wanted to yeah she might have been just taking a break that's really funny how long did did Dutchie last? Like, how much time did he get? A lot of you know, really great time with Dutchie. Dutchie lives. I, I love that I'm not even including you guys. I'm like, like, I'm well, not because because we you were got we were there, but I definitely didn't do anything to support. Like, if this dog didn't like me, I have nothing against it. I was uh-huh. a quintessential uninvolved older brother with this dog. Yeah, Dutchie lived 14 plus years, and this is going to be a heartbreaking, tragic story that it is 100% okay for you to laugh. So okay, we great. knew... I'm, du- I'm ready to wait in. Dutchie had a twin sister, Shira, owned by my parents' very, very close friends, the Pinchucks. And Shira also lived very long. She And, 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 and Dutchie's sister, they would play a lot together. And eventually Shira had to be put to sleep and it was really sad. But Dutchie, there, there was no scenario where I could imagine my dad was ever going to put that dog to sleep. And we had a yeah. lake house in the north of Montreal. It's where we grew up. And that's that was the happiest place on earth was that lake house. And that was Dutchie's happiest place. And one day, and I, I, I heard this was reported to me over the phone because I was already living in Washington, D.C. at the time. Dutchie was just playing in the grass and she didn't like the water. It was very cold. It was, it was sometime in the fall, I think. And Dutchie just ran into the water. Like the end of Big Fish. Like, like you oh know, when God. the dad yeah. goes into the yes. water? Absolutely, I know. And then my dad went and, and caught and got her out of the water, and she was freezing, 
and she was sort of like, I don't know, like this was the end. And she got up and she ran back in the water. And okay. then he he picked her up and, and then he held her until she passed away with him and my mom. Oh. So like Dutchie knew it was time to go and she was going in doggy heaven. But but I think she did a great kindness to my dad because she yeah. stayed she stayed with him until the very last moment. There was no debate. What a crazy impulse. Yeah. Not to use the word crazy and derogatively, like in that kind of way, but like, what a crazy impulse to it, be like, here's, I got to go. It's, it's, it's a wild. Here's something that will expedite, like, you know, that, I don't know, that's, the, and that's really interesting. And then, and then the funny punchline is just that, uh, that she was cremated in a beautiful little urn and she was buried by the, her favorite tree in the backyard by the lake house. And then eventually my parents sold the house and moved back to the, the States and my dad went to go recover it. And the earth moves, I guess, and yeah. things sink, and he couldn't find it. And so Lily, my sister, who you know, was visiting with a friend of hers, and they had to spend the entire weekend digging up the backyard, oh, uh, looking no. for Dutchie's urn, which is which was never yeah. found. But she's been was never found. Yeah, she's, but she's been left in where she's supposed to be. So again, it's it's sad, but it's also kind of funny. Trying to dig up the yeah, trying to find those just imagining ashes. You sort of imagine them. Like sifting up to the surface over time and then rolling down into the water because once again, oh yeah, was very drawn to that water for some reason. Yeah. But and did he ever get another dog after that? No, 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 no. That was that, that was, was that was enough. He now has three dogs by association that he likes uh-huh. to varying degrees. <laughs> Lily has a dog. Uh-huh. Becky has a dog, and I was the last one to get a dog. I think yeah. he might like mine the most. You won. Yeah, I, I'm sure he likes Becky's the least. Oh yeah. yeah. Wait, what are the what is it? Personality thing. Yeah, I guess it is. Becky's is. I mean, the, the, all three dogs are wonderful. The, Becky and Lily both have water dogs. Becky's water dog Sabaka. Uh, she uh, she's like a little bit of a nudnik. She's just like a face <laughs> licker. And when you walk in, got it. She wants to show you whatever thing she found. Yeah. And my dad doesn't want that much interaction. Uh-huh. And she also eats all sorts of stuff. She's she yeah. eats all sorts of stuff. Yeah, like she eats it like Socks. like oh she ate a thing we got it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. boy yeah I wouldn't be that excited to get a, a, a eats a lot of things dog I think I've been pr- very lucky in that regard but you know I this was been on my mind and I'm ex- and and I'm I, the, I the reason I ask about that is like that you know I had this experience saying goodbye to Scott. I had this experience saying goodbye to Luca, my cat, and that was horrible. And I really, and then I adopted kittens too soon, and then one of them died. And oh. I was like, I can't do cats for a while because my heart is shattered. Um, and so that's why I ended up getting Whitley for you know as to be the second the second dog to Scott. And when Scott died, um, because we had been a two dog household, we were open to the idea of getting another dog that would keep. Whitley company or that you know that she would have that sort of same social structure for her pack as a husky um and and but that was my first time of really struggling with the idea of like are you are you disrespecting your that memory of your your cherished dog who you loved with all your heart by sort of quote-unquote replacing it with another dog and like 
going through the course of having, you know, the friend with a dog rescue who was like, no, that's not what you're doing. You're giving another dog a wonderful life. Yeah. You wouldn't have it otherwise. I'm sure so Jasper. You know, there's no replacing. He's, I cannot, what if we hadn't gotten Jasper? I would be, I can't imagine our lives without Jasper. Um, and so I was, I was uh, watching um, Harold and Maude, which is, I have not seen in a while, even though it was like my favorite movie as a young person. And um, I didn't know really what prompted me to watch it because I really have to be in the mood because it does make me sob. And sometimes you just don't want to cry that hard. And but but that moment where Maude is not spoiler alert, this is a movie from the 60s, (laughs) but where Maude has made the decision, her own decision that she's had an amazing life and she's ready for the next thing. It's not that she thinks that she's like ceasing to exist. She's ready for the next thing. She's taking that on. And then Harold, who loves her, who hasn't really felt love before, um, is so devastated that she, he's going to lose her. And he just keeps saying, I love you. I love you. And she says something like, oh, Harold, that's wonderful. Go and love some more. Wow. And that is like, like I didn't realize how much I needed to hear those words. You know, like I just needed to hear the permission to feel to hold both of those things in in your heart and in your mind that that you know cognitive dissonance of oh my god this is going to be so painful to to say goodbye to Whitley I I'll never get over this this is excruciating I don't want to feel this pain and then also holding at the same time like oh god I want to give love to I want I want my other dog to not be lonely and I want to be delighted by a new personality and you know, that it's not trying to, like, medicate the feeling of loss because that is just as profound as it would be if you didn't think you wanted to get another dog. Like, nothing's going to change that level of pain. Oh, it's yeah. going to be there. But can but is there also somehow room for this idea of, like, and I'm going to fucking do it to myself again. I'm <laughs> going to do this to myself again. You know? And that's just an interesting mindset to be in, you know? I, lo- I love that notion, though, of go and and love more. I think that is... That is, that's such a great, and I say this as someone who unfortunately, like fortunately, I fortunately, really lucky. I haven't had to do a lot of mourning in my life, thank goodness, you know, but knowing that that is out there is a, is I think a really, really important, important thing. And, and Whitley's so lucky to have you and Jasper is, and whatever you decide to do next will be, you know, will be the right thing. Cut to me being like, shy, we adopted an ostrich. Hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, (laughs) That'll be, you know, mix it up. Do something. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, Okay. So you talk about the lake house uh, outside of Montreal um, and that you spent enough time there that you you think of yourself as having grown up there. But were were you sharing time with? that house and another house as a, as a teenager. Absolutely. So a very common thing in Montreal is to have your city house. This is also yeah. like Montreal in the 90s, and right? Toronto, yeah, yeah, probably but, Toronto yeah. too. It's a very Canadian thing. You know, Montreal in the 90s, it was very common for folks to have their city house and then some form of a cottage or, or a condo by the lake. It, it was just, I don't know. I don't know the economics of it all, but it seemed like it was very accessible. Um, yeah. Uh, very accessible back then. So, yeah, I lived in a neighborhood near downtown Montreal called Westmount. And then we would spend, starting my teenage years, really almost every weekend up in the country, as we called it in Canada, the country, the country house. And yeah. I think even in those times, the city house was in, in a lot of ways uh, a symbol of a certain amount of anxiety. When my parents sold that house, mm-hmm. which they sold well before the country house, I was like, mm, 
Don't care. Don't care if I ever see that house again. <laughs> my sisters feel very differently. But, but that one, I was like, eh. I wasn't even living in my original room at that time. I was living in the basement. I, I was, I was, that was the place where like I had a lot of anxiety. And the country house was the place where we always cocooned and skied and watched hours of movies. It was like the rules of normal behavior did not apply in the country house. You could start uh, watching okay. movies at eight o'clock in the morning, eating snacks all day through the night. Or you could, you know, go skiing or go outside. And oh, it was, you know, we. And, that does sound so good. And my parents are the the best. They, I mean, there was no limit on the number of friends we could bring. Mm. Whoever you wanted to, no matter the the age, our friends, their parents, everybody was always welcome. And so sometimes you'd you'd go downstairs and there would be people sleeping on those yoga mats under yeah. under tables in the basement, and they were cool with that. Oh. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's such a different... I mean, I've thought about this uh, specifically with respect to you before, and we've talked about it, because you have such a close bond with your family. Um, You have amazing sisters and, like, extended family that is connected to them and lots of other members of your family. And I just didn't have that. Um, And and I love living vicariously through you. And it it doesn't... It's not surprising that you really had that, like, that that was the kind of community you had i just saw friends of ours in atlanta too who's like it's our friend who was one of uh seven kids so they had people in town but were like stay with us and we're like no no you have people staying with you and it didn't really click until we got there just to visit because we decided not to stay there we genuinely thought we were going to be a bother that like i like i was like oh i I responded to that as an only child. Right. He was responding as an, a, a child of seven. Like, there absolutely was room for us there. We should have gone there. We could have been part of the family, you know, but it's just what it's what you're used to and, like, placing those expectations on others or worrying about taking – but, like, what a wonderful vibe. Unless there were times where you were like, maybe I would rather there not be as many people sleeping under the tables. But. No, the people was great. And, and I would say this is that because we can we truly consider you – a member of the family now this is now like long you know long friendship and and had we been had you been living in montreal you surely would have slept uh, even in a bed you might have gotten i mean that's whoa you know. i might have i might have insisted uh, i might have been uh, like oh even as a 16 year old <laughs> my lower back uh. well everyone in my family has a back problem so you gotta get in line there i know that's one of the that's just one of the many reasons i am yeah, part of the family. exactly and so <laughs> but there's so many people that i feel like my parents, my mom's attitude, when you talk about having room for more love, my mom's attitude has always been, and she's always taught us, you know, if you if you bring more love into the tent, that just makes the tent bigger. That's her yeah. entire... So I have a lot of friends who really grew up in our house. I mean, my, my best friend Josh walks into our house, wa- walked into our house every single time and went right to the cabinet like a character from a TV show. He's like, oh, your house has all the good <laughs> snacks. <laughs> Yeah. How how much of that? I mean, you have the experience you have, so I don't you don't need to have the answer to this because this was your experience. But do you have a sense of how much or little of that um, environment had to do also with like the culture of being Jewish? Do you feel like there's a connection there? Uh, or Do you feel like there may not be? It's it's I mean, I think it's very Jewish the way our house was. I think our community we grew up in in Montreal is extremely Jewish. It's like a the way Montreal works in some ways, you grow up within your sub-community, even though it's this mixed salad of all these different cultures. And so we definitely grew up in the shtetl of Montreal. But there's the added flair that my parents met at Jewish summer camp. And so 
like our whole life was a different, like it was a manifestation of being a Jewish summer camp pretty much all the time. So, so that I think, I think there was the Jewish part of we're in a community and everyone knows each other's parents. And then there was this also this element where my parents were perfectly fine sleeping in a room with, you know, 16 kids they didn't know from New Jersey or wherever. And so, sure. So I think, I think those, both of those elements were, were really big. I, they also liked being the house that everyone came over to. That, mm-hmm. that was strategic. They definitely endured me playing the drums. And my mom <laughs> always used to say, if you have the drums, the band rehearses at your house and you know where the kids are. Which came first, you wanting to be a drummer or her wanting you to be a drummer because everyone me, rehearsed at your house? Me wanting to play the drums entirely was because I became friends with my friend Howie, uh, who is my lifelong musical partner. We're still making yeah. music today. and Which, by the way, friends you can listen to, so oh, we'll have to build some links into oh, the show notes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and, and we have a great song about dogs. Um, we have a great song about dogs. We have a great song about dogs. Um, it's called Scraps. It's uh, and it's and the vi- video is just just dogs being it's cute. So good. <laughs> uh, Maybe even you might see you might a see. cameo of said dogs. Exactly. Your your dogs do appear yeah. prominently in it. Howie is like this incredible talented musician, and I just wanted to be in the band with him so much that I picked the thing that I could most e- easily pick up because I am not particularly musical, and so that's how drums. But my parents endured a lot of practice and getting better and then and then us being in there for hours. Yeah, this is like before the day. I mean, I, I feel like the the advent of the trackpad and the and headphones feels like newer than you would expect for drums being really loud and like big and bulky. Like the idea of practicing um, without actually having to hit the drums in a way that like the, the whole family here. Oh, like the electric like... drum set. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, just yeah. like, or just, Back yeah. Then, like, the electric you know what I mean? Like, it was so expensive. There was no way my parents yeah. were buying me an electric drum set to play yeah. in the house. We They were going to hear you banging around as you were learning how to play yeah. the drums. That just came with the territory. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I did get these foam covers, but it doesn't feel the same. You gotta, you gotta make the. It doesn't feel the same. You gotta make the it noise. doesn't feel the same. By the way, I understand what you that you're saying that drumming is like you think that that was the easiest, but I don't know if I agree with that. Is because rhythm is really rhythm like being the driving, like you know, it, being it, the being the glue is is really hard. So I think well, I think that's hard. It's taken, and I love the drums. I would say it's taken me over twenty years to finally be able to be the glue. Um, but the <laughs> bottom line is, is that you have four limbs, and that's difficult. <laughs> But yeah. it's not the same as like ten fingers is still a lot. So and yeah, and yeah. and so I give all respect to other. I mean, yes, there are drummers like I was watching videos of Travis Barker this morning on my phone jealously. There are drummers like him. Uh-huh. That's not yeah. the kind that I am. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's not the kind. Are, would you consider yourself more of a Ringo? I mean, Ringo. I mean, no, no, because that would be disrespectful to Ringo. But I would say in the vein of the Ringos and the. Charlie Watts's and the the more the drummers that musical musically are more simple. I would say those yeah. are maybe who I would be like, but but I could never put. You can't put yourself in that in that. No one can rightly put themselves in the in the in the place with the guys with the best time in the history of rock and roll. And so I'm putting I'm putting oh, you I'm I'm putting you up with you. Ringo. I, I I I do smile a lot. It it 
when I play. Yeah. And so that distracts yeah. people from the playing because they always tell me, <laughs> I always <laughs> get, so I, I always get the, you look so happy. No one has an yeah. idea what I played, but they just, you look so happy. Uh, so they always I have something it. nice to say. Yeah, way to sell it. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Oh my gosh, hi, it's me, Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture game show, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play a whole host of games, like one where I describe a show using a limerick, and our guests have to figure out what it is. Let's do one right now. What show am I talking about? This podcast has game after game, and brilliant guests who come play you. The host is named Dave. It could be your fave, so try it. Life won't be the same. Uh, Big Business, starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Close, but no. Oh, is it Troubled Waters, the pop culture quiz show with all your favorite comedians? Yes! Troubled Waters is the answer. To this question and all of my life's problems. Now, legally, we actually can't guarantee that. But you can find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's talk, if you don't mind, about the city house and the anxiety therein. Um, this is what... what You've got this great community. You've got a wonderful family. Um, where's the ex- anxiety coming from? Ooh, this this is good because I, I feel like back then being – and this is like the real kind of anxiety, like the kind that can occasionally de- debilitate you. And and I don't know how you feel about anxiety, how it was talked about in the 90s, but I attached to having this anxiety was an enormous amount of shame. Um, and if I boil it down ultimately, and and I have worked through all of this, thanks with tremendous mentors and, and, and therapists. And I mean, work through it. It's, it's, I can manage it and I have so many different tools. And so I, I don't live that way at all. But when I was 15 and 16, you have the combination of the hormones, you have the combination of the social stuff. You have the combination of, even if you have the greatest parents in the world, attention with them. And then you have this other thing of, and what the precipitating thing for me was had a lot to do with achievement. Um, mm. But it wasn't, I didn't have parents who said, you got to have an A or you got to have 100%. So like me, you can relate to that because that's, yeah. My, I, I didn't have that either. I'm like, where did I get yeah, that? My, God, I was so, you'd think I was like being beaten or something yeah. for how important it was for me to not suck my, or whatever. My, my mom was like, eh, as long as you're getting like an 80 you know, and an 80 yeah. in Montreal was like not super easy, but not that hard. I got to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and, and and so the, 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 the real hardcore anxiety in my teenage years manifested itself in, in, in school and exams. So I had this one, this is like the most, one of the peak traumatic moments. I'd had a panic attack in maybe ninth grade before... Uh, a state, a state, a provincial, provincial, because we lived in provinces, geography mm-hmm. exam. And I just, I melted down the night before and then mm-hmm. just went in and took the exam and didn't do very well, but survived. And then the goal was survival there. And then the next year I'd had this semester in math and I was in the, I don't know if I was in the smartest math class or the medium math class, but whatever it was, there were smart kids in the class. And somehow in the first semester, I was batting a thousand on all of the the lead up exams so you'd have an exam every month and it gets out amongst the kids in a friendly way not in a super competitive way but oh shy got another perfect oh shy got another perfect okay now comes the the midterm exam 
Yeah. And I'm going into this and building this story in my head of like, oh shit, I've never done this well in math ever. And I'm with all these super smart kids and I've been getting a hundred and people are looking at me. And and our, my teacher was the greatest guy, Mr. Adler. Anyone who went to Herzliya High School in Montreal knows Mr. Adler was a legend. I mean, he's still alive, I believe. He's um, But he was just the most gentle. You know who he was? He was Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. Like... Okay. Every year if yeah. they did if whenever they did like a comparison, it was always Robin Williams. That was his uh-huh. type of character. And, and I got to the exam and I'm sitting in the exam and like the numbers are swirling and my heart's beating. Ooh, and yeah. and all the equations that I was doing before, they aren't coming out right. Like, wait, wait, I know how to do this. How come it's not I'm just not right. And I, I the time is ticking and the time is ticking. And I actually I can't believe I did this. I just stopped taking the exam and I wrote him a note. And I said like, I yeah. just, I can't finish this exam. This is a horrible experience for me, I'm so sorry. And yeah. I handed it in oh, and, I, and, I, and I left. And you know, he had this, just this gentle voice and he called my house that night because I had no idea when they were gonna see it. It was midterms, who knows when he corrects the exams. And yeah. he, called, he called me and he called my mom and he called my parents and, and then he offered me the chance to take the exam in the new year and he gave me a deadline. He said, you can take it by X date. I put it off. Or you can just keep the mark that you had. You can never right. take it again and get, I, think I must have got a 30 or 40%. And right. then on the last possible day without practicing, because the idea of studying at that point was so anxiety producing. I couldn't oh, of even. Course. Um, and so. Yeah. Well, you have that traumatic association. Like now the numbers mean something different. They have a link to a feeling that none of us ever want to have again. Oh, yeah. And this failure. You know? And I was so ashamed. And and uh, and then I just went in at the end. And none of the other kids knew that I was retaking the exam. Because, again, this was like, this seemed like, a, like I remember when. So I retook the exam. I didn't get it perfect, but I actually did a 90 something and I did really well. And awesome. that sort of righted the ship didn't fix the underlying issues of of this idea like fear of achievement was much bigger than me than fear of failure it was like mm. how do i top the thing that i did well yeah and um but i remember one of the other kids in class found out that i retook it and said to me what the hell you you had a panic attack and got to retake the exam i always have panic attacks i want to retake the exam and I both was like annoyed because he said it in kind of a mean way. But I remember thinking, being like, huh, I wonder if other people have panic attacks. Yeah. Maybe we should dig in on this as a society. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. And then I started. And many years later, we almost started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, and I started seeing a therapist. That that precipitated me seeing a therapist. And there was all sorts of stuff to work out. But but it was um, it was an, it's been an amazing, life-changing experience. And this is probably the first time I'm really talking about this publicly but this is the jv club this is where you talk about this that's right Um, that's right baby but i'm very i'm very i am i there's still a stigma but i'm very proud of the work that i did and i'm very proud of my parents that i they're not folks who went to a lot of therapy but they believed that it would be helpful and they had to sort of bite down and go through years of me not immediate right it's not like getting uh it's not like getting uh when you, when you get strep throat and you get the antibiotics in yeah. 24 hours, you're better. Yeah, they just had to yeah. endure me being an anxious and depressed teenager for a couple of years and, and hope I yeah. came out the other end okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, listen, they, you did. Um, <laughs> but that's a really good point. I mean, yeah, that's if you're not a if you're if you're not a family that that incorporates therapy already or that it's you know, that it's not a big part of you're right that it would be really easy to have that kind of hope, if not expectation, that you start seeing results right away and, and that kind of thing. And and because also w- willing that wanting that enough that you're sort of hoping that you're willing like look, we're doing all the right things. Like, you know, there's therapy, there's the, all this love, all this love that we're directing at this person. And like, hopefully is that, you know, hopefully that's enough. And I'm sure for you now that you're a parent, like the idea of your kids in pain uh, of any kind, it's whether a- it's psychological, emotional, you know, physical, like to imagine, you know, and maybe you, you have to deal with this in some way, but just anything that doesn't immediately get fixed uh, it, it becomes this, you know, this thing that is, they're also experiencing on some level, I'm sure. Sitting in the discomfort of not being able to fix it, but also having the responsibility and wanting to do everything you can to fix it is insane. And I often tell yeah. my parents, I'm like, I I do, I I don't I don't even know yet what you went through. I can't believe you went through. I can't believe I put you through what I put yeah. you through. And I'm not like a kid who, like, I had like one or two major screw ups. You know, um, you know, like partying, like really. you were being bad. But, yeah. yeah, you were being quote unquote. Bad. But in general, like, and and when I got grounded for those, that's it. I took my punishment. I'm like, yes, I, I yeah. will be grounded for a year and a half. That's fine until I graduate high school. I will take that punishment. Wait, were you grounded for a year and a half until you graduate? I, I was. Uh, <gasps> what did you do? Oh, it was like something out of a movie, and I uh, I hesitate oh, to ever oh. tell this story. But again, it's the JV club. Uh, <laughs> through through a New Year's party. At my parents' house when they were out of town was very transparent. Only a few friends were coming over, and only a few friends came over. But um, uh, chaos ensued, and the house was got all messed up. And and then I was, uh, and then and then I was uh, grounded until <laughs> the end of high school. And I took it. I was like, I'll take. What, I felt so terrible. <gasps> I, I felt. What kind of chaos was it? Like the end of of now problematic movie like 16 candles where like pizza is playing on the record player yeah i would say that but with like yeah like it was exactly it was it was Uh thank goodness we're changing the expectations of what you know hopefully we're changing a little bit what teenagers should be doing but i would say you know all we had until then was was the Uh movies of of john hughes (laughs) so that's how you party that's that's, how you party yeah and and that was it that was the one time that i did that and learned my lesson and it was terrible uh um and it it was did you also have to like were there things that had to be like replaced or Uh, fixed that you also had to cover or uh, was it so was it more about the respect of like it, you it, disrespected it, our trust it, and in my my house it was always disrespect and trust the the most the, the one that I would say is is that this was like really such dumb behavior was there was a a jug of CK one this to give you the time period right CK one. <laughs> A jug. Oh, in Lily's room. A jug. Yeah. And, That's a lot of ZK1. And the house was very stinky the next day. And so we oh. somehow thought it made sense to <laughs> spray CK1 over the house. And then we realized <laughs> there was none left. And so we filled it up with water. <laughs> it's, it's like... <laughs> so... 
I mean, I, I like... And they say teenagers' brains aren't fully formed yeah, was, and that they can't was, think past and, a certain and, point. And, and sometimes my sisters will be like, should I tell the story? And and every time I sell it, I like I almost get teary because I'm so... I like the <laughs> aftermath, the feeling. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't go out of the house for months past like 10 o'clock at night there was another incident so there was a there was two incidents these happened back to back the other one was i went to go see a grateful dead cover band with my best friend josh at the metropolis in montreal and Uh it was pre-cell phones it was just pay phones and i called my parents at it was it was we felt so cool we snuck in we're underage again montreal in the 90s i don't even know if 16 counted as underage for real, but we were yeah. underage. All the cool older brothers of people we knew from high school were there. And this Grateful Dead cover band called Boko Maru, which is named after something okay. from a Kurt Vonnegut novel. Again, this is like <laughs> so perfectly. <laughs> it's so of its time. Teenage. I love it. Uh, they played this epic, and I was just getting into the Grateful Dead at the time, this epic Grateful Dead set of every possible good song you could imagine. And so the set break, I called my parents, maybe it was at 11 o'clock, she only started at 10, and said, hey guys, at the show, I'll be home at 12.30 or after the show. This was the uh... first show I'd ever been to that started at 10 o'clock at night that was this type of club show. And it ended at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> And and my and, and when you said that, you genuinely thought it's like 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 I'll be home sooner than twelve thirty if the show has or, ended, or maybe it'll or end at I'll one. be home by twelve thirty, or no, maybe it'll maybe be over by one, later. and I'll come home. But you'll go to yeah, sleep, yeah. and we'll just yeah. come home. And we yeah. are just having the time of our life. Like the uh-huh. like, it just. We, no, by the way, not drinking, not like there was no bad behavior other than just having the best time listening to music. I mean, in general. That's mostly like what I was into. Like I wasn't into any yeah. kind of, you know, crazy intoxication or anything like that. We were just having the best time. And so then we took a cab home. But apparently my dad had been driving the streets of Montreal for hours oh, looking God, for us. And it's know. a seedy part of Montreal also. Yeah. And then we came home and my parents proceeded to yell at me till the sun came up. It felt like I don't know if they <laughs> did. And so these these incidents happened around each other. Um, yeah. And where do you fall with your with the your siblings? Like and and were they also good kids? So like, or was someone the black sheep? Bo- both my sisters are good kids. I mean, all three of us are good kids. This is it. This was my big thing I did wrong, and thank goodness none of it was really that bad, um, yep. and no one got hurt. Thank goodness. And um, we uh, we um, Lily. Lily didn't like to go out a lot, so my parents were just thankful when she'd leave the house. So it was a totally different <laughs> attitude. Yeah. And Becky's the youngest. By the time she was, in, I'm five years older than her. By the time she was in high school, I was already, I think, living out of the house. I don't remember her having many rules. I think, like her, uh, at that point, she had less less rules in general. Mm-hmm. But it was also a function of, ah, eh, they're good kids. Like, what could they really? Like Lily's like, what are you gonna ground me for? I study. I don't drink. Like, <laughs> like there was no, yeah. there was no. So no, I would say the three of it. Becky's probably the most rogue of the three of us, but their tolerance by then was much higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I definitely, but I was the most guilty feeling of anything that bad happened. <laughs> so you, so when did you move? 
like I know you weren't attached to the house when they sold it. It was like fine. But did you have when did you move to the basement and did that feel like a rite of passage that was like, uh oh, the trust of me like getting to move to the basement? Wow, we're really getting into this mid nineties period because this is all <laughs> around the same period. At the same time as I'm going through this like emotional upheaval and I've, you know, not only just in general grappling with anxiety, but grappling with my teenage stupidity. Um uh, Becky and Lily were going to tear each other's heads off living in the same room. They they shared a room. And so my parents said, it's time you're moving down into the basement. And Becky took my room. And so it was around I was 16 that I moved into it. So I associated the move of, at first with this kind of depressing period. But again, like I, 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 my parents were so nice to me. Like I had my own door in the basement I could come to and from. I had a bathroom. I, we had a TV down there that I, I never slept. I mean, I, I slept in front of the yeah. TV half the time. Um, yeah. And then eventually they even did like a little renovation in the room. Oh, we want you to make you feel at home. So we'll put some built-ins and we'll change the carpet. Like, they were so nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I, I was, I was, I, I never, I don't know if I fully adjusted ever to living Living down there. <laughs> Living down there. Even the way you just said that made it sound slightly cave-like yeah. or like a punishment, even though it wasn't. And it, and it um, wasn't. And, it was like the... And it best. wasn't at all. Yeah. It wasn't at all. Uh, were you dating at all in high school? Mm. Not in not in the city. Not in my regular... I mean, I don't know. I was a classic Jewish summer camp kid. Yeah. In the sense that all of my romantic life, to the extent that I had it, was 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 there um in school i i was going to i went to this jewish day school i grew up with the same group of uh people from from age seven to 17 and so i was grandfathered i was like brothered in so Mm -hmm. there was no there were crushes and things but there was no romantic possibilities in the (laughs) day-to-day in the day-to-day of my life whereas my my best friend josh only joined the group of friends when we were 12 he came from another school and he dated everybody uh-huh. but but i to the extent that i had girlfriends and dating that that was at jewish summer camp makes it even more magical right yeah. i mean that's like yeah. the place where those possibilities feel the most robust or which by the way jewish summer camp was the scariest thing for someone like me who really dated what even before dating was dating just like i i was going with like i went i was going with eli greenstein oh. in fifth grade and like going them going away to jewish summer camp was terrifying it was like oh you're gonna meet somebody at jewish summer camp like it's gonna be so romantic and you're away from your family and like you know it's a whole different vibe and like so it was terrifying to imagine being the little shiksa at home oh. just like you know worried that i think everyone had that feeling though about whoever they liked that was going off to like jewish summer camp but i can see how that's extra tough i was worried when you started that you're like jewish summer camp was my nemesis i'm like janet i thought you liked jews no (laughs) it just like it just felt it just felt like a, a, a magical place that had i had no contact with that was like this joyous experience because it was so fun for the kids in my life and you know and so i'd be like oh and so they had Jewish summer camp in I can't Arizona. Compete with Jewish summer camp. Did they have Jewish summer camp in Arizona? Was this in Tucson? That's a good I, question. I, know there is I mean, one. my friends who went to camp, I'm trying to think if they stayed in the state or if they were like going cross country or what. I'll have to I'll have to ask somebody. Like I remember definitely like my the summer of like between maybe seventh and eighth grade when I was madly in love with Sev Rubin. He was uh, he I have These a lot are of the still best from him. 
Jewish names. names. I know. Wow. I did not know Tucson was like Montreal in terms of huge Jewish community. I mean, like very like like that. It's good. The school district was positively impacted by it. Um, Yeah. I mean, most of my friends, I had like like uh, friends who were uh, Latino or Latina or Latinx, however you prefer to put it. Um, And then I had Jewish friends. And then I and then I had whatever the mutts like me were, but um, but yeah, I really wanted to. I, I, the, the JCC was also very scary to me because it was like this great place where everyone went, but I never went, and it just sounded like the most fun, wonderful, supportive environment. And yeah, I, had, <laughs> I remember the first time I toured the JCC in San Francisco um, with the wonderful Lenore Naxon, who was taking me through, and I was like. This is so bittersweet for me because I am seeing with my own eyes that this is the best place in the world. <laughs> like, well, I want to join j- today. Just to be clear, JCC is, I don't know about your summer camp, but exactly, because it's a little more complicated, but JCCs you can join if you are not Jewish. Yeah, but they were going to youth programs. Oh, okay. Like they, they were going to the, I mean? they, yeah. going, they were going to an after school, like, hang or program that was for Jewish youth. Yeah. So, you know that, um, that that that's fair. So yeah, so but yeah, in San Francisco, had I not already moved to LA, I would have been like, I'm here every day. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I, so yeah, so I, I think like there was this sense of possibility. Like the first girls whose hand I ever held in 1992 was in, in you know, at Jewish summer camp, and and again oh, back so to, cute. I'd get like, you know, I I'd have such a roller coaster of emotions like. We held hands. Oh my God, we're gonna get married. Yeah, that sounds great. Oh no, this is <laughs> terrifying. And, you know, because my parents had met at camp, it was like every time this. That's this true. Movie, that's true. Of course, this, this movie would play. In, it means something different. Yeah, play play in my head. But yeah, I think like a lot of people, it's their first time they they're able to in a safe, relatively safe environment try out lots of different aspects of their personality, including their romantic. Uh, the romantic stuff. But I, I wouldn't say I ever had a super serious girlfriend until I was older. I wasn't, I don't think I was mature enough. Like it just it stressed me out to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you never had that experience where the two of you are tearfully parting at the end of summer camp uh, and saying like, I'll write you, I'll call you. Maybe once, maybe once just because we happened to have ended, like the relationship lasted long enough to get to the end of camp uh-huh. <laughs> and then when i was older and i worked at camp for sure but then i was in my 20 like then i was in my 20s so that's kind of a different i feel yeah. like that's that's for i don't know the v club is that the jv club sequel series or just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the v club. it's for the v club um but i do want to ask you about that real quick um did you was that was that something that was kind of a foregone conclusion that you would end up like that your your experience with the camp would change and grow and that you would come back as a counselor like was that or it, you know, did you make that decision and go wow I never thought that you know I'd be coming here and that I would be the counselor now uh I no I always imagined it only because I had grown up with this lore and and and, and it's a positive thing I guess there's a certain amount of pressure associated but it's this positive thing that you know my my dad worked there till his mid 20s uh and my um and my mom worked at 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 not that camp but the sen- there's multiple camps but they worked at the senior camp till their 20s and and so and my uncles and aunts and so this was something that we had grown up with but but the other thing was that 
um, there's a lot of investment in in you as a young leader at Jewish summer camp, right? It's a big thing is learning how to speak in front of a group, learning how to lead a conversation, learning how to make people feel welcome. These are all part of the skill set that they were teaching us. And to a certain degree, they were always preparing you to come back and do the same thing for for other kids. And so I and then on top of that, like being the nerd that I am, I was always geared towards that. Like I like that stuff. I've probably yeah. enjoyed my counselor years at even more than my camper years. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, right? Because That doesn't surprise me. Did you have kids that you could tell were like maybe a little extra anxious or seemed vulnerable in a way that you felt like you could have an impact on? Um, you know... You're like, no, I hated those no, kids. No, I loved... <laughs> I loved all of the kids that I worked with. And some of them I'm, I'm still in touch with and our lives are, 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 are intertwined still, which is great. Um, I think that one of the things that I was really... I was really adamant of like sticking with every kid. And so of like every kid deserved to have like this experience. And so every once in a while there would be a kid who maybe, and this is again a long time ago, ADHD was not, it was, it was known, but it wasn't as handled, I would say Mm -hmm. consistently. And there might be a kid who was just kind of bouncing off the walls and it, and, and, and I, I would always find a way to try to, I was always want to try to keep them away, keep keep them in the experience as much as as much mm. as they could. And then there were those. And then I mean, you know, I don't know if I was tuned to so much to anxious kids, but there were kids that reminded me of me here and there that I would, you know, try to be, try to kind of be there for. I guess I, you know, um, uh, but uh, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the the counselor experience. I was just so much fun and and i think like i got so much confidence from that so much like life experience and confidence i remember my first weekend of being uh, a counselor around the first weekend i led my first big activity it was the battle of the decades and okay yeah um and and i and i remember the names uh ronit troner was my co-lead we have not i don't haven't Heard from Ronit and met Shout out to 25 Ronit. years. Maybe she listens to this show. Um, but um, we led Battle of the Decades. And, uh, you know, all the kids were were broken up into the 50s, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Because that's, we were, was the 90s. <laughs> that's and, what we had, yeah. And, and they'd have to, and it always, by the way, sucked for the kids in the 50s. Because they'd have to remember 50s songs. And there was, like, they couldn't uh-huh. Google things. They and and but they'd have to dress up and anyways that was yeah. that was I was like a watershed moment of like oh I can I actually can become someone who talks in front of a group and sure uh, wait did you with the battle was the battle like how in what way was it about okay so the battle was, each team was thematically <laughs> themed teams is big at at camp I think and and so if you were the fifties team you had to dress accordingly so they would often dress like the guys would wear white t shirts and then they'd ha- have something that looked like cigarettes that they would roll into yeah. their arm and then a lot of which I feel like we all got from like the 1978 movie Grease. Yes, exactly. We had <laughs> we had our friend is it well that was the, That's the 50s. That was it. That's it. And then yeah. the 60s and 70s kind of looked the same because for kids that age we couldn't really yeah, bell bottoms and sunglasses and all the counselors had those clothes anyway because it was the 90s and then uh-huh. the 80s people would wear neon and so yeah. you had to answer questions uh in the it sort of with knowledge of the decade that you were representing. So if there was a sing-off, that was always a 
big thing. You'd yeah. rotate around singing songs, and you could only pick songs from your decade. Or there were quiz questions. You'd have to answer songs about your decade, and okay. you'd be judged on your costumes. I, I don't really, you know, the scoring system, I'm not sure how much integrity <laughs> was, was, was in it. I just, I remember the 50s. It's almost like winning wasn't the number one priority. The, the, the 50s teams, I remember always being, being annoyed. They're like, what the yeah, hell? That How? would be hard. That's a lot of information to, yeah, that's that's a lot of if, information. If we were kids, that would be like getting the 40s. Like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I wouldn't, yeah, there's there's no, I got, I have like almost no point of reference. I only that. have um, Swing Kids, which is yeah. a very intense, yeah. you know, that's another sort of Jewish movie, but it's a Holocaust <laughs> movie, so it's not, <laughs> I don't know how they would have dressed up that way. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Jay Keith, do you know what I love more than the trivia, comedy, and celebrity guests on our podcast, Go Fact Yourself? No, what, Helen? Sharing all of those things with an actual audience. A live audience. Woohoo! Well, lucky for you listeners, Go Fact Yourself has brand new episodes featuring live audiences cheering on guests every month. And we still have all of our Zoom episodes with contestants and experts from around the world. We can truly have it all. Yay! You can hear it all twice a month, every month, on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, no excuses. So if you're not listening, you can go fact yourself. Well, of course, no surprise. Can't believe that we're already into a time in which it makes sense to get into this MASH game. Oh, where my we can goodness. Or a few more things. Um, okay. Well, I think you know I'm going to ask you uh, if you could play with any band um, existing or no longer existing. Oh, my gosh. Or maybe, or maybe never existed and you fantasy baseball it. Um, Three bands that Shy is going to, assuming that you have like the the skill set, whatever your ideal skill set is, oh. you've got it. Okay, and I'm not going to pick my band because right, I you got I, your band. I, I was, you got your band. I, your band's in your. Pocket. And I was you just listening to the last episode that I heard. I don't know when this airs, but with Melissa Capriglioni. Capriglioni, yeah. I remember when Melissa was picking her partner. She picked her actual partner, right? So yeah. So I, I I always get I always get sort of mad when people want to do that, which is so dumb. Like it's their mash. Of course, I should allow I, that. I, I admire that, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, so right. uh, bands. I would so REM is my favorite band of all time and you know bill berry the drummer retired uh unfortunately bill reflin the second major drummer passed away so you know maybe maybe that's a possibility one day um but i love i just love everything about that band and i could i could play tomorrow in that band unlike some of the other bands i might mention i could Uh play tomorrow in that band i know i know what to do yeah i think the next band that is really one of my and i feel like this is also perfect for tying into the high school days i got you got to put fish on there because fish is such a big part of my teenage years and my adult years (laughs) um uh and also jewish summer camp so fish just yeah, come on. Being able to jam Great. with Fish would be amazing. That's a feel-good band. Come on. And then I got to leave one more. Can I pick a specific era of a band? Or do you... Yes, okay. absolutely. Because okay. these other two are sort of all-time eras. But if yeah. I could go be in the 
early to mid nineties bare naked ladies. Um because when I saw those guys on TV, when I saw the Enid video, I said, Oh wow, I musicians can look like this? I could be a musician. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the bare naked ladies when I unfortunately unfortunately for them, they don't care. They're fine. But unfortunately for me, that I became aware of them at a time where I was so into the like cool music that I dismissed them out of hand. And you, I was like, these are guys I would be friends with and therefore I will not listen to their music. <laughs> like, I did not give them a fair shake. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm willing. They might be giants. I'm I'm willing. I've, they've been <laughs> grandfathered in. But I'm listening to like oh. cool British like which, by the way, for some reason, never included Oasis because I was like, no, they do seem like assholes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I love them, and I, and I know them to be, you know, I have friends in common with them. I've never met them, but it sounds like they're just great dudes. Yeah, I like just being truly from, great. Dudes. Being from Canada and being Jewish from Canada, you you're always one degree separated from the bare naked ladies. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you are. If I had, if I, okay. if I had a fourth, it would be to be in Weird Al's band. John Bermuda oh, Schwartz is yeah. also irreplaceable, so I can't, hell I can't mess with that. Yeah. All right, we got to get into some movie stuff. Um, you are a person who loves movies, like I love movies. You have a wonderful podcast in which, well, listen, there's uh, movies and way more <laughs> that gets covered. Sometimes less movie and more the more. Oh yeah. Let's. I, I do want to hear. I want to hear three movies you can jump into, but I also feel like I want to throw some other movie stuff into this mash. But let's start with the three movies that you can jump into whenever you want. Oh, okay. Well. Okay. So it's got to be a movie, huh? All right. So. All right. So, I'm doing movies. Okay. Movies but only. You can tell me what category. Like you tell me if there's another one. No. That you no. I like this because by saying movies, because whatever the Avatar verse feature film hasn't come out yet, I can't yeah. say that. Which is because yeah. that is always my favorite. That is to me the best universe that has been created. Yeah. Like, and, and I say this as a Star Wars kid, but yeah. you, the universe that you get to play in is that's oh. the best one. It's the best I one. Know. It really is, isn't it? The like what Brian and Mike created is just the coolest. I say that as if I know them personally. I just feel like we should. You can say I, you can absolutely. I feel like Mike by Brian. proximate. Um, yeah, but so so okay. So not so I. You know, Star Wars has to be number one because. It's just the one that has meant the the most to me, you know, since I was little. Even if I've got issues with how it's evolved at times, but but yeah. that's got to be the the most you know the most important one. Um, Great. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of like fantastic because there are ones that I think are really cool, but I just don't like. There's not enough air conditioning in the Lord of the Rings world <laughs> so <laughs> i'm gonna give you a really yeah. strange one you ever seen the movie couples retreat this is like a deep cut that i really love okay i am gonna have to give this another try because what i remember about couples retreat is my friend jessica makinson and i walking out of couples retreat when I, we saw I, I think movie. a lot of people have that reaction to that movie yeah I love that movie. I've seen Great. it so many times. I think it's. Are you about to describe essentially a summer camp, but just for some couples who are on vacation? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, 
Yeah, I just the resort just is. I mean, the, the part that I yeah. don't like about the couples retreat universe is the is the fact that they the have to do couples retreat universe because they have to. I hate you for saying that. <laughs> don't give it a universe. You gave it a whole universe. I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> the couples retreat universe um, is 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 because <laughs> it's because they do have to do a lot of activities, but at the end they finally have free time, and so yeah. I just I just like the idea. I don't really like the beach and I don't really like those kind of sunny outdoor places as a place for activities but that one looks really pleasant and it doesn't look there's a lot of mosquitoes and the houses are on the water so I don't have to touch the sand (laughs) great and I can bring Allie and I love yeah, and I love you clearly like this for the right reason and I love therapy so you know like a little bit Uh of therapy isn't a bad idea great okay great You've sold me. And then... I'm not going to watch the movie again, but you have sold me on your version of the couple's uh, retreat of I'll just also say, the cast of that movie is a murderer's row of geniuses. Like, they're all amazing. Absolutely. Um, no shade on them that we And the out. yoga instructor reminds me of my brother-in-law, Jose Manuel. So that's another piece Fantastic. that's hilarious. Um, Fantastic. And then I'm going to go... Really going to strange places here. Uh... I'm going to go with, and I'll probably, you know, because again, some of my favorite movies are Alien. Like, I don't want to live in that. Forget it. Yeah, same, Um, totally. And that thing you do, there's no Wi-Fi in the 50s. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, or or the 60s. I want to pick another deep cut movie. This is called Ski Patrol. Ski Patrol, okay. Do you know this movie from, not Ski School. Okay, there's there are two Ski different Patrol. movies. Ski School yeah. is the much more PG rated movie. It is it, it's it's different. Like one is more like Revenge of the Nerds. That's Ski School. Yeah. Ski Patrol yeah. is the scrappy ski patrollers against the fancy schmancy uh, ski um, instructors who are in league with Martin Mull, who is the uh-huh. evil tycoon who wants to take uh-huh. over the you know idyllic town in Colorado and turn it into like a giant mall, and mm-hmm. they want to protect their their ski hill. And I I just don't remember thinking anything could be cooler in the world than yeah. being a ski patroller uh-huh. and skiing <laughs> in those beautiful mountains and hanging out with your buddies in the sure. in the shack that they all live in together and playing pranks. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. the ski patrol yeah, verse. Yeah, so, so so the ski patrol verse, but not to be confused with what the ski more well known ski school. Yeah, yeah. Is there a raunchy quality to ski patrol like 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 that kind of? No, uh, ski patrol has no. In fact, that's probably at, like depending is on that what, ski school. You know, when you when you yeah, ski ski school is the more raunchy of the two. Like ski school, ski school's cover. I remember seeing it in the video store. Was like a woman in a bikini. Like yeah, on skis. that's what I, I am thinking of ski school. I am thinking of ski school. Ski patrol is a guy uh, smashing into a tree. Is the and that's and that's the difference. But um, okay. let, let me just I'll give you some of the people that were in this unappreciated film. I mentioned Malt. Please, I love Martin, Martin Mull, So okay. that's a given. Uh, now, legendary comedy director Paul Feig awesome. as an actor. Love Paul Feig and the late Canadian. great. Leslie Jordan. Leslie Jordan, great. And, this is a great And podcast. George Lopez. Oh, surprise, surprise. And and then, I don't know if you were a My Favorite Martian fan or a Picket Fences fan, but Ray Walston uh-huh. was, was in. Which one? Uh, is Ray Walston the, the Martian? Yeah, yeah, in, the Martian. In yeah. My, yeah. 
he showed up in everything, so we all should be a fan of his. Yeah. He's adorable. So, anyways, I just thought they were so cool, and there's something wholesome about these guys. I I just liked it. It was I just watched it all the time as a kid. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, okay, you do get to hang out in the Avatar verse in this next uh, category, <sighs> and who, what three characters? Uh, would you want to like spend the week with? Okay, so I am not saying this to suck up to you. My mm-hmm. favorite character in the whole Avatar verse is Korra. I just think Korra's, for, first of all, she has your voice, so that's just cool. Um, but her growth is something I really admire. The most growth of any character. And I want to hang out with someone who has had like that kind of journey and and self-discovery and is sort of and grows into such an interesting leader i I just i love i love 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 cora and so that's that's number one for sure by far katara katara is my other favorite because i identify with katara even i don't remember the ages of the various siblings but she always feels like everyone's older sibling and Mm -hmm. i am the older sibling and so Mm -hmm. i definitely definitely want to hang out with katara Love it. And then, like, this could be a result of of PJ Byrne fandom, but it's, does everybody say Bolin? Because Bolin... No, no. I, yeah, no. I, but I, I think I, I'm probably going to say Bolin because yeah. Bolin... I just love Bolin's being there kind of story of of being at these moments in political history yes and having to deal with them as someone who is not some deeper thinker like his brother or yeah or some major figure like cora but is at the center of these major political dramas and has to deal with it like a regular person i just love that i love that i love that characterization of him so much that's brilliant absolutely Absolutely. I mean, I I would pick him too. I try. I mean, that was probably the hardest questions ever going to ask me because I could. <sighs> I mean, those were solid answers. Okay. Um, next category, and this can be tough, but you do get the romance category. So three people in this alternate universe that you get to have romance or sexy time with. <laughs> I'm gonna have to keep it more like romance in a, like an appropriate yeah. way, just because right. this is. I don't think of these people in a like. I'm. It's like a very. But I was ready for this. Um, yes, of course you would. Um, um, and so, and I figured, I figured we we're going to talk about Jewish things. So I'm, I'm sticking with Jews, um, <laughs> giving it up for the amazing Jewish woman of Hollywood. And yes, and number one, just the best one we have is Gal Gadot. She's always going to be, you know, number one. Yeah. Um, then I got to go with national treasure, Rachel Bilson. No one, Great. no one does a fish out of water story better than Rachel Bilson. Have had a crush on her again, an innocent crush on her since yes. the OC. And Great. then this one is for all of the Jews of Montreal. The amazing and beautiful um, wishes her followers a Shabbat Shalom every week. Emmanuel Shariki. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She was Mm-mm. an entourage. She played. Um, uh, E's oh. girlfriend on Entourage. I forget the name of that oh. character. I mean, I'm sure I've. I'm sure. And I've and sure uh, she uh, she's in Super Troopers too. So she also can do comedy. Like she's like yeah. She's like perfect, beautiful, I'm sure I know and her. also I'm sure I know. hilarious. I'm gonna have to look her up. And yeah. um and so that's just great. But she's also Moroccan Jewish, born in Montreal, and 
I grew up, you know, very much a part of that community. And so she's. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. She's darling. Great choices. Um, okay. Next category. Let's do. Oh, what do I want for shy? Well, I mean, I guess I kind of want to get like, I, I want to get you in the room with like an artist of some kind that you really admire that, you know, you would like to collaborate with. Or even if you are like collaborating sounds too intense, but I would love to just like, you know get some wisdom from this person or just understand them better by spending some time with them oh, wow. living or dead any era any type of art music movies okay. literature okay so the the top of the list is weird al always Great. that's as far as artists i could hang out with that would just be the coolest just like an afternoon yeah. me and al yeah we don't have to talk right. about his music we can just talk about yeah all the other things we have in common <laughs> I love it. I love. I love it. Um, you know, I, 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 I feel like this question comes up a lot, so I have an answer. So if my answers get boring, you let me know. Um, uh, the, Mark Hamill. I mean, if you're a Star yeah. Wars kid and you love Luke Skywalker, he also just seems nice. Absolutely. Right. Like that's a great choice. These are both people that I feel like I just want to, you know, want to hang out with. Yeah. And. And so it's interesting that I picked all both guys. That's weird. Well, you still have one. Left. I know, and I but I again, I spent most of my time hanging out with like my wife and my sisters and my daughters. So you do, yeah. Uh, um, which is awesome. And let's see, who's? Let's see. I, I, there are so many people that are really important to me. Um, let's see, who? Who? I don't know. It was really like. I feel a lot of pressure with this last one. Three is a very complicated number. Should I go music? Should I go? It's got to. I think it's got to be music related. You know who I think is really cool that you're friends with, and and she keeps popping into my head. And she's a musician, mm -hmm. and she's really funny. Um, mm -hmm. I think Tawny Newsom would be so fun to hang out with. Oh, absolutely! Isn't that? Absolutely. I was like Weird Al. Okay, great. Uh, all right, next one. You know, I got to ask three places in the world that you'd like to have a second home. Oh, okay. Or a third home, or a vacation home. So I think I'll go back to the Laurentians in Montreal. So those mountains. I'd love to have a house somewhere on the lake up there. Somehow I'd be able to visit, I guess. And uh -huh. then I would love. There's this place in Israel in the desert called Meets Bay Ramon, which is like my favorite desert place in the world. And I really love the desert. Um. So on the desert theme, and because I just had the most amazing time in Tucson with yeah. the University of Arizona's uh, School of um, the TFTV Theater, Film, and Television, I think I'm going to just yeah. say like Arizona, somewhere in Arizona. Like I, I've, I'm just I'm kind of in love with on Ari the desert side of Arizona. I don't know. You tell me where would I, where would I fit best? I mean, I love I love northern Arizona, but just like I, I don't necessarily mean Sedona. But I don't necessarily mean Flagstaff either. But I like that there's the, an area where you're like my aunt has a cabin right where the Ponderosa um, begin, where they begin. So you, you're still right there by the desert if you want the desert. But if you want to get into the pines, like that's very easy too. So maybe some more. But then you can do that in Tucson too with um, Mount Lemmon. So. Well, I'm just going to say Arizona writ, writ large, writ large, or I'm going to say Tucson? the Tucson area, okay. but that can be a big area. Um, okay, great. Uh, next one, let's do. I'd love to do three. It could be a place in time, or it could just be a place, or it could be like an experience. 
but I would love to hear three things that you would love to be able to have your daughters like experience in a way that maybe it's not fully possible that it's or likely that they would be able to do but in this in this world you can sort of open that up and provide that and you could experience it with them oh i'd love to take them to an art and your wife sure ali should come um i'd like to take them to an rem concert in the uh you know first 10 to 20 rows doesn't have to be bigger uh in on the 1994-95 monster tour so that was Great. the first time I saw them. And I talk about R.E.M. This is your all. I think they're all going to be music. Um, right. I talk about, you know, R.E.M. broke up. So they always they ask me about them. And I'm like, I, I would do anything to take you to a show. But I yeah. there isn't one for me to take you to. And then there's this Canadian band. We're on the subject of Canadian bands. The Tragically Hip. Um, oh, sure. Sadly, Gord Downey passed away in his 50s yeah. of um, of brain cancer. It was gut-wrenching to That me. wasn't that long ago. That wasn't that long ago. It was really recent. Yeah. Because uh, like like Bruce and some of the kids in the hall were friends with him, so they were really sad. Oh, yeah. Gut-wrenching. Uh, gut-wrenching yeah. for the people that knew him, I'm, I'm sure. And then for those of us who, you know, he was like, for Canadians, he was like Bruce Springsteen and John Lennon wrapped into one person. Yeah. Uh, and... And uh, so I would love, love, love to take them to what they were too young for me to take them to one of their shows. Like that's music they got to be a little older to sure. appreciate. But oh, I sure. would love for them to see something like that. And then you know, I I do feel like I I, I would have loved. I don't know if I, I don't take my kids to a Frank Zappa concert. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. They they that's like the music that I listen to that they hate. Like they uh-huh. really hate it, and they yeah. like whenever like you don't go to bed, I'm gonna blast Frank Zappa. So yes, actually, that's that, <laughs> that is what I'm gonna pick because because I never got to see him. I never got to see him perform live, and let's get you know. And you're gonna put your family through it. Yeah, but like one of his ma- either yeah probably his '74 tour, like that era, the '74 tour. Okay, great. <laughs> Just to be okay, really great. specific. I wish I'm going to have to tag along and see this happen because it's going to be a hoot. Um, that leaves us with food, my friend. Three foods that you can have. Zero ramifications. Uh, zero ramifications. Well, so number one is, can I pick like a menu item? Yeah. Okay. So then my menu item, it's at a diner in Montreal. A dinette, actually. Mm-hmm. Luncheonette. Luncheonette. Called Beauties, which is the home of the greatest pancakes in the world, mm, like definitively, great. beauties. If you ever go to Montreal, it's on Mount Royal Street. It's perfection. Um, the Super Beauty 2, which is okay. two pancakes, two bacons, two sausage, I think two. There's like whatever. There's two of everything. It's amazing. Great. Two eggs. It's perfection. That's the that's the best breakfast thing on, on the earth. Um, then... Uh, I love uh, uh, just like a pepperoni or a pepperoni and sausage pizza, like some sort of pizza thing, like because that's a good one to have no ramifications for. Because yeah. that's you know, you're you're it's just like as you get older, your body is not built for eating those things. Yeah, and then like we're really talking, you know, no ramifications. You know what's amazing? Hit me. The Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. Great. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Speaking of Prilosec. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In your 40s, you're like, hey, one of these every two years. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, okay, I would like to, you know what? I'm going old school. Tell me when to stop. Oh, wow. So I just get to say stop. Great. Okay, I am going to calculate your 100% guaranteed MASH alternate universe. I would love for you to tell people uh, all kinds of things uh, that they can enjoy, shy and uh, shy and fan in some cases. Sure. Um, so first of all, my labor of love with my sisters is Friday Night Movie uh, at Friday Night Movie and all the socials, the Friday Night Movie podcast. This is a show we've been doing for almost six years, and we talk about movies, but it's also just a window into our family. And so if you're on the show or you listen to the show, you're in the family. That's the rule. Janet. Love it. Yes. You know, one of thank you, one of our earliest people to to bless us. Um it means so much to us. So that's the that's the main thing. You can follow me individually at Pancake and the number four table. So Pancake Four Table on all the socials. And then the band, we talked to the band about my band with Howie Kislowitz is called What Does It Eat? And we're on Spotify. I highly recommend, since we talked a lot about puppies, check out the YouTube video and the and the song Scraps, which a brilliant I can say brilliant because I didn't write it. Howie wrote this song as a gift to a friend about their dog. But it's really about every dog and and all the little funny things that the dogs do that make you love them. And so we we had this great, I would say, crowdsourced video, which includes Jasper and Whitley. Um, uh, love it. Of all and of yes. our friends' dogs. Did I, did I vamp enough? Have I given enough? That was a perfect okay. vamp. I just finished. I just finished. Um, what can I say, my friend? This is going to make you happy. This is going to be great. you got a lot of really, really, really choice stuff. Um, I first want to just tear the Band-Aid off and say you got a shack. But when I tell you that that shack is at Meets Barramone, does that work? Yeah, for you? that's Does great. That that's like when a, I yeah. when I when when I so I lived in Israel from ninety eight to ninety nine. That could have been a whole riff as well, if that counts. Right after high school, for my gap year, as they call it, and I essentially mm-hmm. lived in a shack at the nature reserve there with my best friend Ugh. Josh. So, see, I knew it. Shack felt right when it happened. I was like, you know what? I think it's gonna be fine. Um, I want to congratulate you on. Okay, well, um, let me say this: you're not playing with REM. But you are seeing and taking the girls to the uh, REM. Oh, so you've got uh, the 1994 and 95 tour. You get to go see experience. They get to go see experience. You're not playing with them because you are playing with fish. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so that's pretty groovy. That's pretty groovy. Um, one of my uh, favorite categories, uh, one of my favorite results ever. I'm so, so excited to tell you that you do get to jump into the couple's retreativerse. <laughs> yes, the couple's retreativerse. Amazing. I can't believe you got that. <laughs> the couple's retreativerse. Congratulations on that. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I want to uh, let you know that you. I mean, listen, you're going to have some fun times coming up with a couple of different folks. Uh, certainly your hangout with Weird Al is going to be extremely fun and cool. So you and Weird Al hanging out, chilling, making each other laugh. Um, you got him. You also get to spend some time with Cora. Oh, amazing. So not bad on that either. Um, and I can. I, I love the idea of you just digging in to the Super Beauty 2 uh, with Gal Gadot. 
<laughs> that just jamming your mouth full of delicious beauties. That that items. That's a, that's amazing. That's I yeah. couldn't. I don't think I could. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of first choices. Considering how much um, I love my current life, that's a pretty good alternative. Yeah. So it's not bad. It's not bad. Shy, I'm so glad that you got to be a boy of summer. Uh, do you have uh, any desire to sing any part of Don Henley's Boys of Summer? Uh, Which I, by the way, utterly forgot to ask Kyle Kinane. I could not have remembered it less. I just like to reference the. I don't think no one wants to hear me sing ever, but I do love the Deadhead sticker on the Cadillac, and I yeah, really yeah. love that it changes based on who's covering it. So I'm pretty sure. In the oh. real Big Fish version, they reference the Black Flag sticker on a Cadillac. Oh, okay. So that's a fun like Easter egg to throw in when you cover that song. That. And I have covered that song with, with these awesome dudes I played with from work. And some of this guy, Bob, Great. Bob Holden. We played that song many Bob. times. Shout out to Bob. Uh, but before we go, I, I don't know if you want this for the show or not, but I did bring you some pictures of me in these teenage years. I don't know if you want to like oh, see them. Well, I mean, I need you to send me oh, okay. some, of course, for the the internets. Okay. But um, but yeah, I'd love to see. Okay. Uh, oh, I can't share his pictures, so I guess not. Oh. I'll have to, well, I'll, I'll email them to you. you have to send them to me with, <laughs> with explications of each. <laughs> they, they're, they're pretty um, self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> they all, se- most of them <sighs> seem to be, um, it seems that most of the pictures I have anyway are from various bar and bat mitzvahs. Of my family members, so there's my right. my bar mitzvah, um, and then there's my sisters, and then there's uh-huh. one of me all long haired and sandaled up from Uh-oh. from from Jerusalem from 1996. Oh, great! So they have they have great, been emailed great, great. to you. Okay, I'm very excited to open that up. Shai, thank you so much for doing the pod. Thank you. It's uh, uh, it's such a huge honor. You're you're the best. Oh man, you are. Everybody else, you're also the best, and I will talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell, and as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember one we could save kittens from trees Or lunch on skyscrapers Bring the villains to their knees Maybe we should Move someplace new And build time machines To go and get us back MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported